The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Friends. indeed everyone welcome along to another episode of the boys of tech we are now when we have been for some time new zealand's longest running tech podcast this is episode 176 for monday the 23rd of july 2012 we're now well into the second half of the year where does time go perhaps alec doughty has some insights on that welcome to the show al Hey, how you doing? I'm sure the uh, the, the Higgs boson has something to do with uh, all of this lost time. Yeah, I'm blaming that too. That's exactly what I'm blaming. Higgs boson. That's, that's as, what it as soon as that thing was discovered, gone. Time, it's a mess. Wasn't the world supposed to be sucked into a, a black hole? I don't know whether the whole world was supposed to be in. I think there was like thousands of tiny little black holes that were all going to suck little bits. But that didn't happen either. Oh, right. Either one sounds dangerous enough. Mm. Hey, well, let's look at uh, some of the stories we've got on this week's show. It was a bit of a slow news week, but I did manage to pick out three stories which I thought would capture the interests of not only our listeners, but also ourselves. The first one is some supposed new airport scanning technology that's coming up. I couldn't believe this when I read it. Here's what I read. that the In the US, they're going to get technology that allows them to scan people you know, coming through you know, the, the airport, border security we're talking about here, at a distance of about 50 metres. And here's the thing. I'm reading this over and over again, and I, can't, I just can't believe this. The technology is supposed to be able to identify traces of drugs on banknotes or even like gunpowder on your clothes or even what you had for breakfast, the adrenaline level in your body, and so on, from a distance of 50 metres. How does that work? Is that real? I think this should should actually be in the doctor's office, not at an airport. (laughs) You are so right. Well, at least you can go through border security and and, and say, you know, what's what's my my cholesterol like? Yeah. (laughs) Do I need need an urgent heart operation? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe that's how they'll sell it. It'll be, yeah. it'll be like yeah, free health check. Just pass yeah. through, you know, as long as free health check with every international flight or something. Yeah, with every irradiation. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it was originally developed this technology uh, for the health sector, but the company that made it or that makes it realised that it's much more profitable in the border security in um, in, in security theatre. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, you know, nowadays, you know, there is so much emphasis and so much effort put into border security because everyone's a terrorist, or at least that's the way that the, the, the assumptions seem to be, that everyone is, has the potential to be a terrorist. And I mean, I suppose, exactly. I suppose that's, that's uh, you know, you can't argue with that. I mean, that's always been the case. But the reality, of course, is that the effort put into border security seems to strongly outweigh the, uh, the, the, the real risk. Well, the article in The Guardian that, that we're referencing 
says it very succinctly. It says terrorism or the perceived threat of has turned democracies into paranoid armed camps in which the state feels justified in assuming that every citizen is a potential terrorist. It isn't that so true, uh, you know? It, it is. It's scary, but it's true. But is this real yeah. then, this technology they're talking about? Can it really tell what's in your gut from 50 metres away? <laughs> Can it really? I, I, I think it's just another piece of security theatre designed to make everyone feel better about it rather than, uh, and it's actually, for, for my perspective anyway, doing the exact opposite, making me more and more nervous. Yeah, it it's is. Like, it, it's completely turning into an Orwellian tool. I know, it's scary, isn't it? 1984. Yeah. Was it 1984? Indeed, indeed. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. This article also tangentially mentioned one of the draft communications data bill they're calling the Snoopers Charter in this article, which is basically um, giving the UK government the right and privilege to basically force every ISP to store all of their users' internet history. So YouTube videos, um, every email that you've sent, every tweet, every file downloaded, every Google search conducted, keep a log of that for up to two years so that at any time um, authorities can go and go, he's a terrorist, give me, give me that two years' worth of data which is completely frightening to me. And I've just found out today that the Australian government is trying to push something through like this. Yeah, I think, it's you know, just it's, it's crazy. It, it seems like all governments, at yeah. least all Western I mean, governments the, anyway, the, I seem to be doing this. The, the real world analogue to this would be if the phone companies were actually recording every phone call and keeping the recordings of the phone calls for two years. The phone companies do keep logs. Yeah, but of- that's exactly it. They just keep logs, all right? So you know when a call happens, who to, but not the contents of the call. All right, whereas the digital equivalent that they're trying to push through is actually the contents. I, I You know, it's, the it's thing, not the just thing the is, packet, there's no, it's... it's It's your actual Google searches. It's the actual YouTube videos that you see, your actual tweets. The thing is, there's no running away from it. I mean, it's only going to get worse. Yeah, but it's it's just going to push people to use use encryption. Yeah, or or, an anonymizer like Tor or... Or something like that. The thing, yeah. the thing is, the thing that scares me the most, though, or not scares me the most, but that amazes me the most, is this going back to this technology, this this border security thing. I can't believe it. I still, I still yeah, can't believe it. It, it, it oh, does sound like too good to be true. I remember when the body scanners first came in. You know the the ones that effectively strip you naked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they did like the cartoony ones because people were all up in arms. Oh, did they? I didn't know naked. that. Yeah, but oh. so so they basically doctored the image and and put a like a rendered version of the body. I still want to get one of those foil, you know, articles of clothing with with patterns in them or words. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, cut out and, and you know they're, they're sewn in, into the clothing, and so of course on the scanner they they come up very clearly as whatever pattern you've got or or whatever text you've got on there. That'd be quite cool. Anyway, that's yeah, for another day. Now, YouTube. Speaking of privacy and all that, YouTube has announced it's going to be launching a tool to allow uploaders of video to blur faces. And the way it works is that the YouTube have got technology to detect faces in videos and it'll apply the blur automatically if you select that feature. Yeah, this is kind of kind from just from a technological perspective. And this is kind of cool because Google have had like face recognition technology for a couple of years now and they haven't been using it because people would just freak out if all of a sudden like every picture that was taken with you you're able to to scan and go that's this person that's that person the thing is i've i've but, been using that that very the, that very thing with iPhoto i mean apple have had this for years as well and it's so good on iPhoto you you tag people and, and in subsequent photos it'll it'll sometimes get it right and sometimes it won't but more often mm. than not it'll It'll tag them and say, is this Bob? And you, you go, yep. Exactly. Facebook do a similar thing as well. Yeah. So the, I, I think this is kind of cool. But, and I, but, I think- yeah, but they've flipped it on its head. So they're using the face recognition technology to detect areas where they need to pixelate it. Yeah, that's right. Rather than to, to identify to actually who's identify actually the person, that's right. it's like to, to anonymize and, the person. And, I, and YouTube, it's a great use. It is. And YouTube say that this function would be of use to activists wishing to share footage of protests, you know, especially in, in areas where it's perhaps uh, rather dangerous to be filming protests, especially of a political nature. Oh, exactly. Like, like Australia. <laughs> I, I no, you like, don't Like Iran or, yes, exactly. or Egypt or yeah, so, somewhere right. where it's genuinely dangerous. China is the other one. Hmm. They, I don't, well, actually, I don't think they have protests in China. They're banned anyway, but... But yeah, obviously, any any demonstration of any sort uh, in those sorts of countries, uh, you know, you really don't want to have. If you are going to take the run the risk of of actually filming this, you you really don't want to run the the added risk of having faces identified in there. Exactly. Now, of course, Google do say that the technology isn't a hundred percent accurate, so you should review your video before you release it, just in case some faces haven't been. Uh, blurred or haven't been blurred for the entire duration Mm -hmm. but that's expected i guess with any facial recognition technology similar to optical character recognition technology speech recognition recognition, exactly all those human to digital interfaces are always going to have a an element of inaccuracy Mm -hmm. good move or waste of time Uh, definitely a good move i agree cool tech yeah yeah it is yeah definitely all right, now the, the last, the third and final story I wanted to cover was, and this, this is kind of probably the coolest story, so it's a good note on which to end the show. You may have heard of a high-altitude ballooning, uh, and a lot of people sort of into this, where they release helium balloons up into the the sort of upper reaches of, some of them getting close to the, uh, to the edge of space. Absolutely, some of them getting... Uh 40 kilometers up. Yeah, that's very, very high. Well, one such high-altitude ballooning enthusiast by the name of Dave Ackerman, he's in the UK, he did exactly that. He released a helium balloon up into the upper reaches of the atmosphere. But not only that, 
but he decided to include a Raspberry Pi hooked up to a webcam. And he got some beautiful photos. So awesome. You should check them out. DaveEckerman.com is his website. Ackerman spelled A-K-E-R-M-A-N. Now, I tried to get hold of him. Unfortunately, he he wasn't available to to join us on the show. But have read read his blog. Have a look at his photos. It's and, and you know what? He's also plotted the path of this balloon. It's it's quite incredible actually, uh, where it gets blown and in fact even shows you how he did it. Now there were some challenges in using the Raspberry Pi. It's quite power hungry and fairly heavy compared to some of the other alternatives such as the Arduino. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, he got himself a Raspberry Pi and. I, I'm, I'm guessing it would probably be easier to program than a than a uh, an Arduino chip, right? Well, it's just Linux. Because it's just Linux, exactly. Yeah. How cool is that? It's awesome. Now, you might be wondering, what actually happens to such a balloon? So what happens when it goes up into the, into the atmosphere and it climbs and it climbs? Eventually, the balloon pops. And at that point... Gravity kicks in. Yeah, gravity. That's exactly right. Well, gravity was always kicking in to be. Uh, sorry, just to be the, the pedantic physicist here on the show. Physi- uh, gravity was always pulling that thing back, just not as strong as the upthrust from the less dense helium. But anyway, pedanticism aside, uh, <laughs> you're laughing, aren't you? <laughs> I'm trying not to. You're trying not to. No, fair look, uh, anyway, that aside, uh, this is exactly what happens. The balloon pops. And it falls back to Earth. Now, of course, Dave, being a smart guy, decided to fit a GPS tracker on it and uh, and he was able to retrieve it afterwards, which is kind of important because you don't really yeah, want you to be... you to recover your $30 pie. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, you know, and, and even if it is $30, you... Cam- the web camera the web- probably well, costs the more webcam. than the Raspberry Pi. The, the webcam what? Probably costs more than the Raspberry Pi. Yeah, probably did, actually. The thing is, also, he went to a lot of effort in making this. He's, he's calling this, by the way, Raspberry Pi in the Sky, which I thought was a, a good name. Yeah. This is one of these emerging hobbies, isn't it? it uh, well, both of them are, I think. Both the ballooning and interesting uses for the Raspberry Pi. Have you Just got your because, ras- Raspberry Pi? Uh, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. I... Uh, I didn't bother when it first came out. They're, they're ramping up production now, so I might I might get one. Yeah, I was kind of put off by the delay. I mean, I I know it makes no sense because even if you order early, even when there's like a six-week delay, it's still going to get there before the ones that you order later on a one-week yeah. delay. Yeah. But yeah. I, I still got, you know, I didn't want to – I didn't want to have anyone to have my money for that length of time without anything in return. Fair enough then. So 40 kilometres in altitude this thing went. I know. This reminds me of the uh, the American that did the a similar thing, but with an iPhone attached oh, to a Oh, yes. A now, balloon. I think I've, I've, there's probably a few of them out there. I did watch mm. one that was done yeah. with an iPhone. I don't know that I would, <laughs> I would want to risk a $1,000 item. No, $30 item, fair enough. Mind you, that's 1000 New Zealand here. So, so comparing apples with apples... No pun intended. Uh, what's an iPhone in the US? About 600, 500? Somewhere around there. But yeah, exactly. So compared, if you buy it outright, I think, yeah. Yeah, so compared to a, a $35 Raspberry Pi. The thing is, what would the, the sad part about this particular one uh, from Dave Ackerman was that it actually didn't quite get to 40 kilometres. It was literally metres away. It was only six metres away. 39,994 metres. 
Heartbreaking. How frustrating would that be? It was a bit like when the the French were were trialing the uh, the TGV, and at one point they got to now I forget whether it was three nine nine or four nine nine or five nine nine or whatever it was, but it was something nine nine, and they just didn't quite break that round figure barrier. It's just an artificial number, really, if you think about it. But it's kind of nice to be able to burst through a a sort of a, a round number. Maybe the next one he does it will be a, just that smidgen lighter. Yeah, or that smidgen bigger balloon or stronger balloon or something. Mm, yeah. Where, where do you get uh, these giant balloons from anyway? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Um, where would you buy a weather balloon? I mean, where's the weather the balloon we- shop? Weather balloon hobby store. <laughs> yeah, I know the one. Get your you balloon mean. and your Raspberry Pi from the shame shop. <laughs> well, you probably, in fact, you know what? If he, he if he's a smart guy, he could probably sell these ready-made units. Hey, that would be cool, wouldn't it? I mean, I know people love to build these things themselves, but for yeah. every person, it's like it's like model, uh, you know, ready control cars and model airplanes and so on. But for every person who loves to build them, there's another person who just wants to cut to the chase. And run the thing ready made. Yeah, put put it together, switch the uh, the helium tap to on, and have it launch. Well, you know, I think I think you could make a bit of money selling these. Like I say, for every person that enjoys building these on their own, there's a person out there that wants it ready made. Well, hopefully, Mister Ackerman actually listens to this podcast and. Oh, if he's got any sense, he does. Yeah, <laughs> takes our idea and runs with it. Yeah, and make himself rich. I'd buy one. Well, actually, he's in the UK. I'd probably spend more on shipping than I would at <laughs> yeah. the item itself. Isn't that sad? Uh, anyway, the Raspberry Pi in the sky. All right, well, that's the show, Al. Wow, yeah, that was else a short that, one. I know. It was, did anything happen in Brisbane that we can talk about? Not really. No? No. What about Mrs. Jones down the road whose internet stopped working for a few minutes yesterday evening. Can we talk about that? I didn't hear about that. <laughs> I'm sure it happened somewhere. Uh, actually, I'm, I, must, I must say, I'm now on uh, on DSL. I was on cable and we moved house and I'm now on DSL. I'm so not used to DSL. I'm sort of wait, waiting for it to flake out every minute. I'm so, I'm so used to the, the robustness. Feeling so, of, so second world now. I am. I am. I, it is ADSL 2 Plus, but even so, you know, cable just feels feels rock solid. Although, yeah. I must say, on the flip side, I don't know why, but in the, what is it, five years that I've had cable, mm-hmm. we seem to have had a lot of outages. I remember about a dozen outages of more than a few hours in that oh. time. No, that's interesting. I've only had one outage in the uh, in the twelve months that I've I've had it, and over the same period with with my DSL, which is what I had before, I would have an outage once a month. I tell you why your cable doesn't have outages because it doesn't rain in Brisbane. Generally, that would be the case, except when it is raining. <laughs> yeah, when it rains, it really rains, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't there a song about that? The heavens open up. It never rains in Southern California, but when it rains, man, it pours or something. It, it never. Albert Hammond wrote the song. Who? 
Albert Ham- you, you must know Albert Hammond. He's the he. I think he is the most underrated singer songwriter. He's written a lot of songs that have been made popular by other people, but uh, he sings he sings a lot himself as well. He's kind of a sort of a mixed mode guy. Yep, yep. Most, uh, yeah, most so, of his his money from uh, royalties from other performers. Yeah, and anyway, it reminds me of the lyrics of that song. It, it seems it never rains in Southern California. Seems I've often heard that kind of talk before. It never rains in California, but girl, don't they warn you? It pours, man, it pours. So isn't that so true of Brisbane? I think that's it's quite apropos. And on that note, let's end the show. Let's end episode 176 of the Boys of Tech. Al, thank you very much for co-hosting the show with me this week. It has been a pleasure. All right, let's do it again next week. And if you're doing some high-altitude ballooning, take care. Send us your photo. In fact, send us your photos or video. We can post it on our website, boysatech.com. How does that sound? Sounds awesome. All right. Thanks, everyone. See you again next week. Take care. Goodbye. Bye-bye.